This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And I want to say, if this is your first Geekscape, as I always do, we talk movies, video games, comic books, TV shows. Especially this episode. This one's a Miss Marvel special. Uh, we're going to be talking all about that first season of Miss Marvel on Disney+. Plus. She's kind of a recent Marvel character in the comics. She goes back to 2012 2013 somewhere in there so she's really recent and she's already got her own disney plus show what are the differences what are the similarities and how is this going to lead into the rest of the mcu you know how ian and kerner and i do this uh we get really detailed so there's going to be some spoilers if you haven't finished the season if you haven't finished the season there's also other stuff that you can listen to on the geekscape podcast you can go back two episodes and ian and i break down thor love and thunder Maybe you got a chance to see that in the last week. Uh, it's the new Thor movie. And uh, that's got a lot of cool stuff in it. So maybe you want to listen to that, Geekscape. And if you haven't caught up on any of the Marvel stuff, and you just want to listen to some geek conversation, uh, our good friend Kim Coates from Sons of Anarchy, uh, he came by and talked to me. It's a 30-minute short episode. You're going to have a cool conversation. We talked about everything from Waterworld to Last Boy Scout to working with Tony and Ridley Scott making horror movies, a little bit of politics, Canada, U.S., some hockey. Uh, we just really ran the gamut, and we did it entirely in 30 minutes because he's such a cool dude with a great energy, and I think y'all are going to love it. If you don't know Kim Coates, well, enjoy that episode. If you know him from Sons of Anarchy and his recent appearance on Mayans, you're going to love him even more because now he's all about the geekscape. Um he started following me on social media after the after it. I was like, "Oh, I better watch my tweets. I better be cool on this." <laughs> you ever do that? If somebody you like follows you on social media, you're like, "Oh, I better clean up my act." So yeah, Kim started following me, and I was like, "Okay, Jonathan, don't tweet like an idiot anymore." And then within 24 hours, I was tweeting like an idiot again. Okay, as you can tell, I'm keeping my energy high. Comic Con's next week. I'm going to need it, but just for the next hour. Let's just do a little bit of Geekscape, shall we? Welcome to the live Geekscape, talking all about Miss Marvel. If you're listening to this on the podcast, then we've already recorded this one. I've sweetened the audio a little bit. If you don't subscribe to the Geekscape podcast, you definitely should, especially because next week is Comic Con. We're going to be doing daily recaps. We're going to keep those as short as possible, but we're going to be, you know, the Geekscape team's there. Matt and I are going to be at the Geekscape booth, booth 3919. And we're going to have Derek and Katie and some of the other Geekscape members kind of experiencing the con. And then afterwards, when we all wrap up, we grab some dinner, we talk about what everybody experienced and how Comic-Con's going, we just do daily recaps. Those are also going to include some interviews with some of the booth guests that we got. Uh, we got some uh, fun people coming by the booth this year. I know that we got uh, Casper Van Dien. He's coming by, our old friend Casper. <laughs> he's not old. He's just got a cool uh, project coming out through Crackle, so he's going to do a signing at the booth with some other people like Peter Shinkoda, who I've actually... Never had on the show, but I've been friends with him for a while. You may know him if you're an MCU fan because he played Nobu 
on Marvel's Daredevil. So be watching the Geekscape channels for the Geekscape booth schedule because we have a lot of cool surprises uh, coming and a lot of cool guests that y'all can come and meet at the Geekscape booth. But if you're not there, subscribe to the podcast on any feed because you're going to be getting those audio interviews and catch-ups and there's going to be a lot of fun content as it's been like this week with the Thor special, the Kim Coates episode, and then now the Miss Marvel. So we're going to get into it. We're not going to get into spoilers yet, but let's catch up with a couple of you uh, geekscapists. Jim Pagarnelli says, whoa, who, do you have a beard? Did I wake up in an alternate universe? Come on, you're a good geek. You would know that that would be the mirror universe, and uh, I'd be evil Jonathan. Uh, is that right? Did I get? I got that right, right? I'm just starting to watch some classic Trek because Heidi and I loved Strange New World, and it references classic Trek so much that I was like, oh, you haven't seen a lot of these. Let's go back and get them. Uh, so we've been watching those. Now waiting for that season two of Stranging Worlds. Uh, the, <laughs> we also got uh, Justin Penniston, who's a fantastic creator in his own right, saying Miss Marvel was pretty great. Episode five was a bit, wee bit off the rails. We will talk about that one. That's a pretty interesting episode. But I'm here for a brown girl superhero whose only motivation is having been raised well. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, that's Miss Marvel. So uh, I think we're going to try and avoid spoilers for until we get into the episode breakdowns, but let's just get into Miss Marvel because she's been in the comics for over ten years now, and I, who better to tell us about her than my good friend Ian Turner? Ian, let's talk to Miss Marvel. Well, buddy. Second, I just wanted to be clear. So, are you watching these original Star Trek shows for the first time, or is Heidi? No, I used to watch them. Remember, uh, I'm I'm not much younger than you, but yes, during you are, my thing, but thank you. <laughs> No, buddy. <laughs> what I want to say is during my Thanksgivings, um, TBS or, or, or TNT, one of those channels, during Thanksgiving would do both Planet of the Apes and Star Trek uh, marathons. And it seemed like every time there was a new cable company, the Star Trek license would be like what they played. Like I remember early G4 and stuff like that was just like original programming. And then like 75% of their program was original Trek because you could get them. And so I would just watch marathons when I was home in avoiding my family on Thanksgiving, either either Planet of the Apes or Star Trek, sign me up. But I think this is the first time I've ever watched them in order, and that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool, you know. Uh, and for Heidi, she's seen sporadic stuff. Next Generation is really her track, but dude, Strange New Worlds just <laughs> Geekscape is. We're not going to talk about it too in depth here. We got to talk about Miss Marvel. But yeah, but it's really great, particularly if you're an original series fan. Which I mean, I grew up on that. You know, and I mean, long before there was anything else, I was a big fan. So, um, yeah, it's really great. What yeah. a love letter. And the, the season finale, we weren't going to spoil it here, but that season finale just gets you. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's oh, the best I, show on TV. I, I teared up. I mean, again, it's I, incredible. I, I'm a I'm a huge truckie, So, <laughs> and, and, and Ian, this, this last little anecdote, I was at the comic book store last week. Uh, and I'm in line at the, at the shop and a dude was picking up, I think either a Voyager or some other Star Trek. Um, it might've even been Picard, a, a statue. And he's talking to the shop owner, Paul. And he says, I must be the only person on the planet who can't stand strange new worlds. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you'd be the only a couple person. others. <laughs> well, let's, let's start talking about this one. This is Miss Marvel, uh, based on the comic, um, Ian, it's a recent character. Uh, let's save the spoiler on what we saw in the finale that leads to the rest of the MCU. But like, what can you tell us about the comic version of Kamala Khan? Where, what are origins? I think that there's some supporting cast added here. What's going on? So Jonathan, usually, you know, we don't usually discuss things about what we're going to talk about in advance. Um, and he did give me a note to avoid a certain spoiler. Um, and I'm not going to give the spoiler early, but there's an aspect of what I'm going to talk about that may or may not give the spoiler, you know, certainly if you know what it is, but it's not, I'm not getting the spoiler. I'm just going to give you some background stuff. Okay. So, you know, 10 years ago in the comics, you know, there was a bit of a mandate because, you know, at that time, obviously now we're all celebrating that Disney has acquired 20th and, you know, things are on the verge of changing but 20 years ago, there was a big thing about, um, you know, for the longest time, you know, when, when the MCU started, um, Marvel had basically licensed out their most in-demand characters, which were Spider-Man, which were the X-Men, Fantastic Four, 
and even Daredevil, you know, they were considered, you know, th- those were the big licenses, right? So um, Spider-Man was at Sony and the other characters I mentioned were all at 20th. Um, and, you know, the X-Men was by far for decades Marvel's most popular. Um, you know, in the, in the 60s and the 70s, you know, it was definitely Fantastic Four and, you know, the Avengers, you know, Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Man. Hulk, Spider-Man, you know, but the X-Men really blew up in the late 70s. And so much so that by the time you got to the late 80s, like the X-Men were everything. And even down to a point that in the Marvel comics for the longest time, even editorially, it was funky because the best thing about Marvel was how much the Marvel comics all interacted but editorially, for a while, they were actually kind of separate, even though they might have overlapped a bit, you know? And there's certain character histories that overlapped. I mean, you know, for instance, the Beast was an original X-Man, but he was in the Avengers for a really long time, you know? Um, so he had these deep ties there. And you know, eventually he ended up back with the X-Men, but for, for a long, for actually a lot longer than he was with the X-Men, there was a period when he was with the Avengers, so, so there's a lot of that, this back and forth stuff, you know, that gone on. Um, Carol Danvers for interesting, right? For, um, is interesting. Um, she was originally introduced in Captain Marvel. Okay. That character, it's a little review from the Captain Marvel movie. That character was posed as a Dr. Lawson. Okay. And came and was, you know, came here, you know, we infiltrated NASA and Carol Danvers was his liaison. And event, you know, his real name was Marvell. Okay. And he ended up being a superhero. He, you know, he had these abilities. He had these things called negabands that gave him some of his abilities. Okay. At a certain point, there was a thing with, you know, Jan Rog, who was one of his big villains and tried to use the psychomagnetron against him. And it, it hit Carol. And that's how Carol got her powers. And Carol was originally Ms. Marvel. Okay. Because there was Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel was Marvell. Eventually, and I think around 1982 it was, the very first Marvel graphic novel, they killed Marvell. It turned out that in a fight with Nitro years before, he had basically gotten exposed to a lot of radiation and he had cancer and he died. Um, and for many years, um, well, basically to keep the license alive, you know, the, the copyright, Marvel had always been publishing, you know, a Captain Marvel title. So that's when they originally brought in Monica Rambeau in Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Sixteen. They named her Captain Marvel originally. Why it, was there a licensing issue? Well, there's always a licensing issue, generally speaking. Okay, because just to keep you know, so someone Things else can't take the it. Public domain, right? Captain Marvel was a very interesting one because a character existed that was called Captain Marvel for many years, published by Fawcett Comics. Fawcett Comics was eventually bought by DC. Um, that character, most people always think of as Shazam because Shazam was what he called out, was actually the name of the wizard that he got his abilities from. But he's, he was actually Captain Marvel and it was the Marvel family. And there was Captain Marvel Jr. And then there was Mary Marvel. Um, but because the light, you know, it was a weird thing because even there was a TV show, even in the early 70s, and they called that Shazam. So, and there was this whole back and forth. So basically what ended up happening, there was a, a lawsuit. And so Marvel had Captain Marvel you know, and they were able to publish type books called Captain Marvel. DC had this character named Captain Marvel, but they weren't able to publish books called Captain Marvel. So it would usually be the power of Shazam. When the new 52 came along, they said, well, with all this mess, let's just rename the character Shazam, you know, to get rid of that. But that was a very big sticking point for a very long time. Obviously, Marvel wanted Captain Marvel because it had Marvel in the name, you know, but it was based on Marvel. And I got to tell you, Ian, real quick, a uh, Facebook user says, the only podcast that does this deep a dive and why you are always the first one I listen to for reviews. I really appreciate that. And then uh, uh, Prem and Kaipo, Kaipo over at, uh, in, at uh, LinkedIn says, I love that I always get cool history lessons about comics with these videos. Thanks, guys. Really, it's Ian, uh, which is why he's indispensable. I love this guy. Um, okay, so let's go so, ahead and start getting into so the spoiler wait, so, territory. So, well, yeah, so keep going. Thing. So, so you have Ms. Marvel. Carol's Ms. Marvel, you know, in the mid-70s, Marvel realized, oh, well, you know, there was some call for more female characters. So let's just take analogs of our characters. So, you know, you had Hulk, you got She-Hulk coming up soon, you know, and I'm, we'll discuss that next month. And I've um, heard San Diego's already covered in She-Hulk stuff from a friend. Oh, I'm sure. There. I'm sure. Yeah. And I can't wait for it. Um, you know, 
Spider-Man, you had Spider-Woman, you know, um, oddly enough, Spider-Woman, very different than Spider-Man, but still yes. that was the point there. But Ms. Marvel came directly from Captain Marvel. Um, so, and you know, and they did some interesting things with Carol, you know, um, Bridges, who's an NASA liaison, you know, and a pilot, then they had her running a woman's magazine for a while. Cause that's a logical, you know, change and all that, but Ms. it was a different time. Yes. But Ms. Marvel, so Ms. Marvel had her own series for a while. She was actually in the Avengers. Um, and then, you know, her series got canceled. And interestingly, um, her series was written by Chris Claremont, who was the big writer of the X-Men. And he actually introduced Mystique in the Ms. Marvel book. Okay. And um, so you have her there. Then you have her in, you know, in Uncanny X-Men. And Ms. Marvel got canceled before he got to do the story in which Rogue steals her powers. So what happened is he was going to do it there. Um, that got thrown off. They ended up writing her out of Avengers. And then they wrote her back in in Avengers Annual Number 10. And in that, she's found as an amnesiac and as Rogue's first appearance. And you basically get, you know, the story of what would have been Ms. Marvel, I believe it was 23, um, as sort of a flashback that we'd never seen in a comic before. By the way, years later in a Marvel premiere, they actually printed, you know, what that book originally would have been. Um, But anyway, point is that, so Ms. Marvel was very well-known inside you know, the reality of Marvel 616 was a very well-known character. So in the comics, you get introduced to Kamala Khan and she's this giant Ms. Marvel fan. Okay. And, and that's 2012. That's pretty recent. That's yeah. 2012. But Ms. Marvel had been around for a long time. And it was, I got to think about the exact year, but basically with Captain Marvel, after Monica Rambeau opened Captain Marvel, then Marvel had a son and a daughter, but you know, the son for a while, Janice became Captain Marvel for a while. Um, actually, they did a really good series. Um, well, the first series was Fabian Niciazes, which was good, but Peter David wrote it for a while and uh, loved that series. Um, Janice ended up getting killed. Um, and so eventually, literally with a conversation between Captain America and Carol, um, where in which Carol's like, oh, I never, I want to honor his memory and I never wanted to, you know, do anything bad about it. And Steve basically says, don't you think it's time to honor his memory by being Captain Marvel? So she becomes Captain Marvel. Um, so, you know, the Captain Marvel movie, there's a lot of nods in there. Um, you know, they actually have, um, um, what's her name? Um, Annette Benning. Annette Benning, yeah. Annette Benning actually is playing Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, she's Dr. Lawson and she's Marvel. But, you know, so, and, and in that... It's just Carol takes the name Captain Marvel as a, a, a nod and in remembrance of Marvel. So well, I think we were talking about the X-Men and you're talking about so 12 years ago so, and where so, they so, were so 12 years ago. Um, so go ahead and spoil if yeah, you need to. Yeah. Well, I don't need to, but I'll come back okay. around to it. But, you know, I just want to say I was talking a bit about the, you know, the, the interesting overlaps in Marvel. Carol, when she was amnesiac, actually ends up with the X-Men because Professor Xavier is trying to help her get her memory back. For a long time. Yeah. She's with them for a while. And that leads to her, you know, getting new powers as binary. And so eventually she gets her memory back. And eventually, so her, her power set actually got different. And she got even more powerful from binary and then evolving that back into being, you know, Captain Marvel. Um, and the power set we now know her it, to have, like with the blast that came out of binary is just, you know, the standard strength and flight was the initial Captain you know, Ms. Marvel powers. But mm-hmm. so you, you get introduced to this character, Kamala Khan, who's this giant Ms. Marvel fan, you know, and the show does it some, something similar. She's a Captain Marvel fan. OK, fine. Close, close enough. Obviously, we didn't have Ms. Marvel in uh, in the in the MCU. So but, you know, but 12 years ago when they introduced the comic, um, basically there was a mandate. It was never really an official one, but it's basically this sort of understanding. Let's not make any more mutants. Because every time we make a new mutant, 20th has the license, we can't use the character. Or they just profit off of new mutants that we make and put exactly. in the X-Men movies. That's what yeah. I'm saying. They, 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 so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they, they're getting it, we're not. So the idea for Kamala Khan and that comic, she was originally going to be a mutant. Um, but what they did at the time, they just said, well, listen, we have this other, you know, Marvel has a few different groups of superpowered characters. You know, um, you know, so... 
they pushed the Inhumans, hoping that they can make the Inhumans really popular. And what they did is, you know, mutants just would pop up randomly. The Inhumans, basically the Inhumans, you know, also tied to the Kree, just like um, Captain Marvel was. Um, the Kree had come and experimented on humanity a long time ago. And, you know, first they experimented on them, then they used these Terrigen mists that would activate their powers, okay, or, or, the, or the genetic potential. Yeah, we um, saw that in both the series and in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's they right. They did the storylines so the, 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 Exactly. They, they did the yeah. Terrigen mists in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, they did the Inhumans in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then but in the they comics. Also, yeah. So in the comics... In order to say, because you know, the Terrigen Mists were, it was just like an Agent of Steel. It was like, not, didn't affect everybody. And also, Agent of Steel did this extra thing that if you weren't a potential inhuman, that it killed you, yeah. which wasn't yeah. the case in the comics. In the comics, they did this thing where Black Bolt had a reason that, you know, the bottom line is that he did what they call the Terrigen Bomb and dispersed Terrigen Mists over the entire planet. So suddenly, all yeah. over the place, randomly, people were ending up in Cocoon. They'd come out. And now they have human powers, which in essence is just like, oh, suddenly someone out of nowhere unexpectedly has powers. They've just come up with a new way to basically make mutants without them being mutants and something that they owned. So Kamala was one of those random people that suddenly gets hit with Terrigen Mist and suddenly has powers, you know, and but the rest of her family didn't. So, you know, that was an odd question. What did that mean? But, you know, and it's basically, it, it's supposed to be this, just it's a latent thing. It might be in you, it might affect you, it might not. So so basically, uh, Kamala what is an inhuman in the comics. And for the most part, they haven't done much with it. They did do a little bit with it in an alternate, you know, timeline, storyline, that she was more aligned with them. But, but basically, that's it. We get introduced to her. And, you know, and I, I'll say this about the show. The show does a really good job of um, pretty much giving us, for, for, I thought, a really good, strong feeling of what the comic was. You know, going into this show, um, before it started, um, I had a lot of conversations, you know, and people that listen to our other podcasts, you know, even just the Thor one, you know, I feel like we've been saying a lot lately that, at least I, I certainly have, that, you know, it's interesting. Fandom's sort of divided in, in this weird way. Um, but to me, it speaks to exactly what the comics have always been about. And that's Marvel makes comics for everybody. They don't just make comics for one group, you know, and even the MCU, you know, the movies, there is the giant fanboy. We want this big blow up thing. But, you know, the MCU movies in terms of viewers have gotten so big that clearly people watching these things, it's about more than just, hey, I just want to see people blow shit up. You know, um, and I say that because it's always such an interesting thing when you talk about or you see, you know, people being very loud about their opinions on the Internet and all that. And, and you know, where are the opinions coming from? What are they about? You know, because I know a lot of people that are saying a lot about how like, oh, the show sucks. They're not for me. Da, da. And the odd thing is, and I think you agree with me on this. The movies have been very disappointing lately, but the shows for me, I mean, to me, it's without fail. The shows have actually been a pleasure. I mean, one nice surprise after another. Varying degrees, maybe there's an episode or two that are off a bit, you know. Um, I've seen the argument that, oh, these shows are overblown and, you know, they're just, you know, they should have just been movies. People that say that are missing the point of the shows. And in large measure, missing the point of actually what, a lot, what comics are very much about. And that brings mm -hmm. me back to about the Ms. Marvel comic, which is, you know, I said from the get-go, it's like when people say, oh, who wants that? It's like, well, that's just it. Who wants a Ms. Marvel comic? There are some people that do. Probably not the people saying who wants that, you know? Yes, it, I actually, I was with a, a client of mine, you know, who hadn't watched it yet, but it's gonna. And I said to them, I said, here's the thing, you know, is Ms. Marvel the show meant for 50-year-old men? Probably not. Let's hope, I mean, let's hope not. Actually, well, you say that's a joke. Listen, I still loved it. But what I loved yes. about it is, I loved that. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a show about a teenage girl. So, and not being creepy. I mean, it's just like, but it actually ended up being a show. But I actually felt that the comic always did a really great job and got heralded a lot for the fact that you know it's a Muslim girl in New Jersey. You know, and with all of her family stuff and all that, and it really from a representational standpoint, 
you know, it's been really strongly heralded. The show actually, I felt, went even deeper into, you know, the levels of things with the culture and all that, that, I mean, I just thought was fantastic. And I have to say, like, my wife has hit a place with, you know, in general with the Marvel stuff where it's like, okay, it all seems like the same. And once you get into the superhero stuff, it's like, it's whatever, boring, who cares? But the character stuff is what's interesting. And I have to say that, and that's actually what comics have historically and traditionally been. You know, um, for all the great, you have the big fight with the villain, but you have the subplots of the character stuff and all that stuff. I mean, I was always joked around about it, but I think comic books, they're just the soap operas, you know? I mean, yeah. it's the same stuff and it's relationship stuff and it's the pressures. And honestly, one of the best things, particularly about Marvel comics always that you saw these young people, you know, when you saw it particularly like with Spider-Man, you know, about the, the pressures he was going through and having to worry about his family and what people thought and teenage things and all that and worry about money and all that stuff, you know? And that, like, that was a thing that, like, you know, their readers you, you could really identify with, you know? You Can really I just say that, that uh, this, the, the pilot, the first episode of this, I came out of it saying this is my favorite Marvel yeah, Disney Plus show because, because you have that. You have her trying to get her, her license and trying and, and failing her mm-hmm. her her driving tests uh, hilariously and beyond that, just as far as a stylistic approach, I think that it had so much pop that it really reminded me of the recent Spider-Man films. It just had a great editing style, a visual style. Everything was kinetic. It had a cool pop comic book. Honestly, I I think it reminds me more of into the spider verse. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And Um, and I I came out of the first pilot, just really enjoying it. Can we, break down the pieces of it and yeah. see like that, that supporting cast that they introduced in the pilot. How much of that is from the page? How much of that is new to the comic? It's, it's no, it's all from the comics, including Bruno. Oh yeah. Bruno, her very much everything. Her parents, her friends. That's, 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 that's it's fantastic. All in the comics, you know, and, but, um, but, you know, but the, by the end, and now she gets these bands, she gets one band, a bangle. So, so here's and, the, thing. the beginning of it. Let's talk about what it is because I, I think, I mean, everybody was right. It was, a, it was a nega band. I mean, now we're jumping to the after credits of episode six. Yes. So Geekscape, I've got to tell you that this stuff is spoiler from here on out. Yeah. Why are you watching this if you haven't finished the season? So, so here's the thing is I initially was, was a little bothered by the idea of them doing it, you know, giving her, you know, okay, a band is bringing it out. What's it going to be? You know, I was really concerned about that Um, because her powers are inherent you know, in the comics. And at least as far as she, after the Terrigan miss hits her. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, you know, so that was something I was concerned about. Um, And, you know, it becomes, you know, great. It's the thing that they're all running after, you know? And so, I mean, great. It's a focal point, but you know, you always worry about that because when that becomes a thing, you're going to lose that. Yeah. 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 Um, So, but you know, it was actually for me, as I mentioned earlier, the Nega band, it's a really smart thing to have an aspect of that, that was actually something that was a really, really major part of Captain Marvel for many, many years in the comics. It's probably the one aspect of Captain Marvel that was not touched upon in the Captain Marvel movie. So for me, the idea that they do anything with that going into the Marvels, I love that. And when they go back in episode three and you see the origin of it and it's on a Cree hand, like... You know, you, well, that's you see the question. The is it was it Cree or not? Now I th- or, sure it was. Or is it a gin? Like, is the, it a this, gin? This is the thing. That, that, so a, so yeah. that was interesting. And, I think and, it was a Cree, and, and well, the Mega Band came off of a Cree. That, that seems more likely now. Right. I, I was certainly wondering then. So, so here's the thing. So, I also I mentioned before, you know, that there have been these different groups of superpowered, you know beings characters all that there's, there's been a bunch in the marvel universe well let's talk so, about them but can you explain the mega bands from the comics real quick and how they relate to captain marvel basically the transportation abilities of them or well, do you well, want to so, wait, so, wait, wait for that I, mean, I can get into that now i mean it's just okay. it's simply basically um you know marvel has the mega bands and you know in the comics and it, it, one of my most disappointing things for me about the mcu is the lack of rick jones mm-hmm because I think a lot of people if we needed a Rick Jones. Well, yeah. well, that's just it. You know, they've done all these adaptations of the Hulk, well, the seventies show, these different movies, and we never get Rick Jones. So for people like that don't know, for a lot of well, in the comics, basically the Hulk story is, you know, he's developing a gamma bomb and about to do a test. And of course, met recognizes of the early sixties. So this origin is 
this kid on a dare drove his car out onto this thing, you know, and it's like sitting Fantastic. there playing the harmonica, you know, yeah. and Banner sees it and he goes running out and he tells his assistant not to do the, um, do the test, you know, hold it off. But if his assistant is a Russian spy and wants Banner to get killed, um, you know who the assistant is, right? Go for it. Email Blonsky. Oh, the, yeah. Who we're going to see in She-Hulk. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So anyway, uh, um, I think Matt Kelly just announced a new Geekscape show coming to the network. So that's that's irony. That makes sense. Congrats. So anyway, he goes out there and he throws the, the kid into you know a, a trench, okay. yeah, ditch, yeah. whatever. You know, and the kid's like, "Oh man, I don't need anything." He gets blasted, and the kid ends up being a sidekick and being the guy that's giving excuses for him and hiding and all that when he's turning into the Hulk and all this stuff. The kids, and that's Rick Jones. Rick Jones goes on to when Captain America gets the thoughts, initially the Hulks and the Avengers and Rick's actually the reason the Avengers come together. Cause he has this team brigade where he's calling emergencies. So he's a big part of Avengers number one. And he ends up, he reminds Cap of Bucky when Bucky, when Cap comes out of the ice. So Cap trains him to fight. And for a bit, he's sort of like a new Bucky and moving all the way on to he ends up pairing up with, with Marvel, the original Captain Marvel and there's a period where basically the negabands, you know, Marvel gets stuck in this situation where he's trapped in the negative zone half the time. Unless Rick hits the negabands, he has his own negabands. And so one of them's in the negative zone and one of them is in the, the 616. Okay. And they, have, they switch places, which interestingly enough, I've always thought is more or less what Shazam is. Yes. Okay. So it's a sort of a, Semi fuck you to Marvel. I always felt Use the for magic. Instance, yeah, you can swap places. And, and by yeah. the way, like Shazam, they never really deal with where the other body is. But Alan Moore with Miracle Man or Marvel Man to make that yeah. even more complicated, actually did deal with this idea that that body still exists and is like in this limbo or whatever, and can actually come back eventually. You know, and but, Thor recently did it with as well in the comics. Well, yes, but, I mean, but Thor also did that Blake, with the Donald Blake yeah. thing in, in the background. Right. Absolutely. And like, yes, and they did that with a different dimension thing. So, you know, so that's, you know, that's an interesting thing. But, um, you know, so basically I wanted to mention about the these other superpowered beings, you know, clandestine is uh, was actually a more obscure Marvel comic. They did a few miniseries and there was actually an X-Men crossover miniseries. Um, and clandestine was, you know, something that uh, Alan Davis, who's a very celebrated um, artist, um, actually wrote and drew, created the, these these characters who had superpowers and because they were half gin. OK, and so, is, you in, you you meet the clandestine in the second episode of Miss Marvel. Right. So so because this, they want the band. They want this. Exactly. And, and we come to find band. out that in this Kamala is a descendant. Of the clandestine. Um, the grandmother exists in the comics, but, you know, we, we never get that deep a dive into, you know, the history of her family. Um, and honestly, I thought that was what really set this show apart. Um, it was it was interesting for me. You know, I went into this going, like, OK, well, right away, the light powers, the bangle. All right. These are some changes. I'm like, you know, I like that they had the um, the basic aspects of the comic with the family stuff and the friends, but I wasn't loving that. But I got to tell you with episode two, when they really ran with that stuff, I think, I mean, I thought the show got the really great. Stuff? Well, just, I mean, less the, I mean, the clandestine are part of it, but just the, the, the history of the family getting into the Pakistani, mm-hmm. you know, the partition and all that stuff. Yes. And, you know, she did in the comics go to Pakistan and met red dagger there, but it wasn't about her family. It wasn't about that. And I, I just, How great I, are her parents? Her, I mean, her parents are, are like a reason to just continue the story by themselves. Like yeah, I could watch Yusuf uh, and Maniba. And, and, and they like actually did do the storyline briefly in the comics, where she didn't even tell her mother knew mm. that she was Miss Marvel. She knew it was Miss Marvel, yeah. and unfortunately, they took it back, and they don't know anymore. And I think that was okay. a mistake. Um, they pulled a Peter Parker. Yeah, and and Matt Murdock, and, and they've done it with so many of them, but. You know, um, yeah, but the Peter Parker, honestly, it really reminded me of exactly that time when Aunt May did know, you know, Mm -hmm. and was cheerleading and all that. And I I just feel I'm so glad they did this early in the show 
because, you know, both you could argue in the real world, certainly in the modern real world. I mean, maybe it was different in the 60s. I mean, but, you know, with all you know, between video surveillance and everything you can capture and everything else, like, I'm sorry, there's just there's just no way like you're going to recognize people. You know, it, it, becomes, it becomes really iffy, even even a secret identity at all, but certainly from people that know you. I mean, honestly, that, about that yeah, absolutely. Like the, the Department of Damage Control, because you have this character, Pete Cleary, who we already saw in No Way Home. He interviews Peter and his his aunt and his friends mm-hmm. about Peter's uh, Peter being a part of, uh, you know, his identity gets revealed. And then we see him like months, a couple months later, right here in this Marvel. And he's investigating another teenager who has superpowers in the New York area. And are we building two champions? But would Spider-Man be a part of it? That, yeah, that's a good question. So so now we're going to some bigger Ms. Marvel things in the comics. So Kamala's I'm in the comics. I'm bringing it up Marvel. because we have we have damage control here. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Kamala establishes herself as a hero. Um, she actually, a bunch of the younger heroes are actually in the Avengers for a bit and then decide that, no, they need their own voice and they form the champions. Now, it's important to point out, and we've said this in some of the other podcasts, that there was a period where you actually had young Avengers for a bit. Um, and I've also brought up, there was a period, there was a comic called Dark Avengers. Now the Dark Avengers didn't call themselves the Dark Avengers. They were just bad guys posing as the good guys. Okay. They, for the well, most part, acknowledge, what's that? They were the Thunderbolts, weren't they? No, that's a different thing. Oh, so, that's okay. So Thunderbolts was when the heroes were gone were literally bet the, the masters of evil posing as good guys as new good guys. Okay. And they were they were acting good for the most part under the supervision. They, of- they were, but the citizen V was actually Zemo and he had his own, you know, agenda. And eventually he was outed. He was out of the group. Hawkeye, who had been a villain briefly before he was sponsored, you know, by Tony Stark um for an Avenger and you know and became yep. an Avenger was good. He actually took over running the Thunderbolts for a while. But the Dark Avengers was at a time when um, Norman Osborn actually was running Hammer. Shield was discontinued. They had Hammer, and so he created his own group of Avengers. Okay, so and he was like he was Iron Patriot, which was their version of Iron Man. But you and know, and yeah, all that stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that relate to the champions and Miss well, Marvel? Well, so just in the sense that, so what I think Marvel is doing is they're building up to a version of Dark Avengers which they'll call the Thunderbolts because they're not going to call them Dark Avengers because no one would call them Dark Avengers, right? And they're building up to their version of Young Avengers, which they'll call Champions. So you're going to have characters, some of which were in Young Avengers, some of which were in Champions, and it gets mixed around, okay? So, for instance, Stature, who is Cassie Lang, Scott Lang's daughter, was in it was Young Avengers, but she'll be in the Champions, you know? She'll probably Marvel. be in a much bigger role of yeah. Ant-Man 3, for sure. Oh, she's definitely going to be. And she's yeah. going to be super powered in it. Yes. So, yeah. So, you know, so the, so we're seeing all these signs of all these characters popping up. So you could be sure that we're leading to champions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you brought up Spider-Man. So here's the thing. The Miles Morales Spider-Man was in the champions. Because in the comics, Peter's older. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's an interesting idea. Um, it's a tricky thing. You know, the most recent Spider-Man cartoon, they actually decided to go ahead and make Miles, you know, in it. But he's the same age as Peter, which for me, it's just, so you have two Spider-Men the same age. It's funky. Like, I like the idea of an older Peter and, you know, and a younger Miles because it actually feels a lot like what we got in No Way Home with both Toby and, you know, and Andrew Garfield being these older Spider-Mans giving Peter, giving the um, Tom Holland Peter that you know that that mentorship exactly that's exactly what you have in the comics with peter and miles so and so it's miles who ends up being very close with kamala you know i mean we don't have a nova yet but you know so you have different novas you have the older nova and the younger nova richard Ryder and scott alexander um there's even a version of the hulk you know who's Braun, who was hulk for a minute you know who's amadeus cho whose mother was in age of ultron Okay, mm-hmm. so they, they've been seeding all these characters. You know, we get, um, you know, Patriot was actually, um, you know, Isaiah Bradley. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've already seen him in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. 
So all these characters are popping up there. I think, you know, they're all coming. They're bringing it all together. So, you know, that's definitely a place that I think Kamala is going to end up. Um, I love that, you know, we knew before the show even came out, she was already been announced. She's going to be in the Marvels. Um, as I mentioned, and we've brought this up in both, you know, the WandaVision show, as well as um, talking about it with Captain Marvel, that you already have um, Monica Rambeau and she got her powers in WandaVision. So that character in the comics eventually became known as Photon, but she used to be Captain Marvel. So, you know, so they're all going to be in the Marvels. Um, so, Ian, there are people online who were a little bit ruffled by how much liberty they took with the clandestine. Like, is that was that a thing? Like, did they take that much of a deviation from them? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, well. They seem it, to have different powers. They seem to be gin originated. Straight. Now, we don't really see many powers you know, from them in this. And right. honestly, you know, all they really did is they said, hey, here's a name and it's gin-based or partial gin-based. And that's and it. Is the Nord dimension a thing in the comics? Um, not in a way that matters. I'll tell you why I like it here. And it goes with what started to throw me off with maybe the Bengal not being a negaband until I saw it come off of a blue arm. At that point, I was like, that's a negaband because it just came off of a Cree arm. And I was, I was ready to die on that hill. Uh, Nur is a, uh, and I'm probably you, mispronouncing you, it. Were you running up that hill? <laughs> no. And Nur is a, uh, is a term in Islamic context referring to the cold light of the night or heatless light uh, and the light of the moon. And so you're starting to think about this, this like other dimension. Um, and so I'm reading up on Wikipedia uh, about this Islamic term and how they use the newer dimension and they're just kind of turning things a little bit closer to a cultural reference point and so they're taking marvel ideas and they're adding a little bit more of a cultural reference point to them in order to adapt them into the series and i think that's cool i think it's awesome to have a little, and at that point i was like maybe it's not a nega band because they're they're now not thinking about the negative zone they're thinking about this newer dimension and um, okay, this is this is starting to get a little. Oh, by the uh, way, you know why I'm hoping it's negative zone. Of course, Fantastic Four, baby. Right, right. Which so. is the biggest thing about the negative zone is that that's is Reed Richards' playground. But now you have this uh, idea of a nor dimension in the rift or the veil, the veil that they that they want to get through through the veil. They want to pass through the veil and get back to the nor dimension, and so. We'll talk about episode five, the time travel episode, how funky it is. But mainly I want to talk about the ending of it real quick because they do succeed in getting the veil open and pass into the Nord dimension. But at that point, it seems like they're starting to have Terrigan mist mutations gone bad. It turns them to stone like it did in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. and then it powders them or turns them into skeletons. And at that point, I was like... Oh, well, 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 here's that the thing. feels like Terrigan well, well, but, 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 you know, but Kamala had said, you know, what, what they established earlier was that, no, what they're going to do is going to kill everybody. Mm. Right. It's going to open the veil. Yeah. The, so yeah. it's for me, some of that was really a little bit unclear. Like even down to, you know, the motivations at the end of episode five there, like, is she truly sacrificing herself to save her son? And why did that blast go out and give him abilities just because she was thinking of him? Like I, I, you know, and he doesn't need a bangle. Did they come from the negative zone? Well, I mean, is that where they were trying to get to, and they needed the bangle to get to it? That yes, that's what they're saying. They needed the bangle to open it up. But I mean, listen, it it was not as as developed as it might have been. You know, they kind of threw some stuff. That was my argument with the series. It was a lot of. There was a lot of different ideas yeah. going around, and, yeah. and it felt like it needed just a little bit more refinement. I felt that. Like for me, at the end there, I'm like, okay, so. She had the bangle, the bangle opened up her abilities, but then Cameron just gets some kind of psychic blast while she's dying from his mother, and now his abilities are there, and he has the same one she does. I was like, yeah. why, why is that? But it's a spikier, dangerous version of it. I don't think it was, because I think it's just whatever you think, however you think to use it. She is could do spikes the, if she wanted. Is episode five, the transportation back to Pakistan, um, or really, it was India at the time, but um, yeah. it, it was that that's was that part of the transportation abilities of the Negaband to the the bank. No, we, we've never seen time travel right. before, and we, right. we we don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, did, did, no traveling through the quantum zone this time. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, one of the things I do like that the shows have done. You know, it was a big conversation we had back with Thor, and then you know, starting with 
Doctor Strange, but you know, they're leaning into different kinds of abilities and powers and sources, right? You know, right. I mean, straight up in Moon Knight, we got, you know, these other gods. Um, you know, now with this, it's coming from something different, seemingly. I mean, mm-hmm. the clandestines certainly aren't Cree. Doesn't mean yeah. that the bangle isn't Cree in some way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely possible. By the way, you know, one of the aspects, something I've always found a little messy, but Marvel Boy is a character in the comics who yeah. also ends up in the Young Avengers for a while. And he is that is the a, Grant Morrison version? Yeah, he's a Cree yeah. from a different universe. And his Cree apparently actively travel the multiverse. Like that's a thing. So it remains to be seen if they're gonna do anything, you know, like that with the you know, because maybe that was a Cree. You know? And Cameron's not a character from the comic. I mean, none of these yeah. clandestine are characters from the comics. They no. just were the clandestine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, we and haven't the, seen Cameron or any of them. No, in the, the, the Cameron one is an interesting one because I, I found I thought it was really they didn't leave him the way they did with that definitive plans for him. Uh, wait, say what you said again because they didn't leave that character at the at the end of the episode the way they did without knowing exactly what they're doing with him. You yeah, he's like, it wasn't like oh, okay, we created him and whatever, and you know, and he could have just been another leader or whatever. But it was so much right. more than that. They very specifically set him up in a very specific place as though that's meant to be something. Yeah, he's got powers, and he's with Kareem, who we met in Pakistan, the Red Daggers. Yeah. Um, Who are the Red Daggers? Were they a big part of the the Pakistan? It wasn't a whole organization. In in the comics, you know, we meet Red Dagger when uh, Kamala goes to Pakistan and visits. Then he comes over to New Jersey. Okay. Okay. So Uh, so now we have the superpowered person running around with uh like an assassin group uh, an organization in maybe and uh you know where does that leave um the 10 rings because we have I, them I, still I, hanging out and that, they are definitely going to come back in so you know that's interesting you know we'll, we'll see you know listen uh, they, they've set up some interesting things that are, that are out there you know um and coming back around to what i was saying before see this is why i i like the show so much because they give first of all they're giving room to develop these characters, you know, and see what they're really about, who they are, you know. Um, listen, my big complaint with Ms. Marvel because we've been talking about a lot of stuff, and I guess I don't know if we've really given a review that much. Um, I think both of us really enjoyed the show. I really enjoy the culture stuff and the character stuff. Um, I went into it going like, well, there isn't really a big bad specifically for a fight, and, and there wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that the culmination of what it seemed like from episode two, her, the, her big um, thing to overcome happened in episode five and episode six. The clandestine in the veil. Exactly. Yeah. And then episode six felt more like a little epilogue of that. Right. Well, damage control felt like they could have been the big, big bad alone, but it wouldn't have given us a whole lot about the bangle and no. the free and, 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 and the mega band. You want and that, and that to be it, you know, but I mean, listen, I, right. I, and I thought, you know, again, I thought that they made, um, they made some really great political statements with that. You know, the fact that episode six had a disclaimer on, on the opening of it. And my wife and I were like, Oh, because based on that disclaimer it was like, all right, isn't that in everything? And maybe some people may find it disturbing. I said, yeah, well, probably the imagery of, armed, you know, even though they were government, but armed people with, you know, assault rifles going into a high school. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe something a little bit uncomfortable about that. Uh-huh. But I actually thought the, the fact that that might make people uncomfortable played exactly right because that's how you should have felt. I read a couple of jokes that it was based on um, old school, let's say it, white Marvel fans being upset that there was an entire show given to a uh, brown character. And that's why the, the, the warning label is like, you might have to see a show with a brown character, so be ready for that. I saw a couple of jokes about that. And, and I, th- I think that's funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. brown character and, and a girl, no less. This yeah. is the thing. How and, dare and they make a show you know, about that? And, and it's frustrating, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, though, because there's some of that, but I don't know why it's so bad in Star Wars. Oh, in Star Wars, the doxing just comes out. You're not allowed to be a well, female or a but, minority. But, and it's so bizarre. And I know, you know, we've said this, but it's like this idea yeah. of like Star Wars fans who don't understand that all the things they say, I mean, they're the fucking empire. Yeah. They sound like yeah. the bad guys and they don't understand it. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I, like this fascist mindset 
is clearly bad. It's exactly what, you know, Lucas is saying, this is the bad guys, the ominous music, right? But they've got this Dunning-Kruger where they can't even identify the fact that they're, it's indicative of their behavior or their behavior is indicative of the, the attributes that are the villainy. You know, it's, it's frustrating. But if you're going to act like that, you're probably short-sighted on several facets. Right. But, and again, and here's the thing. I come right back around this thing. And this is such a struggle because, you know, ratings matter. And all the – I mean, I have people that I know going like, oh, Marvel's dead. You know, the box office isn't going to be what it was. But no one's saying that the movies are still making money. And yeah. no, they're, you know, it seems like, you know, at around Endgame, actually between – after Infinity War – when Captain Marvel made a billion dollars because people were so in the frenzy. Because by the way, you and I both thought Captain Marvel's not great. I love that character, yeah. and I, the movie I just wasn't put together that well, you know? Yeah. And it frustrates yeah. me. I mean, ultimately, uh, The Eternals is the worst example yes. of. But of it just didn't it just didn't but, the, but, the the bread didn't rise. Right, I think but my say point is that but Captain Marvel still made a billion dollars. You know, yeah, they're, gonna, they're all going to make a billion dollars. Ian Rainey says he thought maybe the warning was because armed damage control agents enter a mosque, which is also something that, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on in that episode. Yeah, so. no, I, I think it was definitely the high school armed guards going into high school. Well, especially after episode yeah. one of Obi-Wan. But, 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 yeah. By the way, I mean, here's the thing is I love that the show constantly kept saying all this stuff. Like, you know, you're going to hide in a mosque. I mean, we're mm-hmm. completely surveilled by that. Like. It made all these big political statements, you yeah. know, well, and, her and they're not Nakia, debatable. Her friend Nakia, who is the political, you know, she was becoming yeah. a political organizer and running for office. Like, and calling calling awesome. out the, the, the conditions in the mosque about how women are treated. I mean, I was like, yeah. wow. I mean, I was really like, wow, they're really going for it in this yeah, show. This is, I, it was great. You know, so, and, and is, is it for everyone? It's not for everyone. That's okay. Doesn't have to be forever. Do we want to blow the doors open on episode six and just so, talk about the so sure? The so, so basically, um, you know, they hadn't done the inhuman thing. They did this thing with the bangle and her being descended. You know, so she's she's partly gin because of the clandestine. You know, but other people are handling the bangle yeah. in the series, and it nothing. Yeah, and and Bruno's super smart, which is also out of the comics, and he analyzed okay. her her genetic makeup, and he threw in a word. You know, he said, you know, there's something about your genetic makeup and it's your mutation. And that. No, more... there, there, he said there is a mutation. Yes. It could still be inhuman. What's, yeah. But not. So, a certain music so, stinger so, said yeah. something else. There's a, there's a, the, the music stinger, as well as the fact that, you know, and very specifically, Marvel's been saying, you know, they're calling out the mutants are coming. And, and Feige said it's going to come. You're not going to know where to expect it. You know, it's because like, it's, it's coming in multiple tiers. Like yeah. we saw an alternate dimension. Professor X, and mm-hmm. and now we have. Uh, how does the music go, Ian? When he says there's a mutation, what did we hear? Why don't you hum it out we, for us right now? Nah, 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 nah. It was like yeah. electric guitar. I was like, yeah. Doo, 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 doo. yeah. And I actually rewound it because I think Heidi had asked a question during it, and I went, Whoa! I did the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen thing, and I was like, hold up, hold up, this is important. Yeah. It's important to us. Oh yeah, and I rewound my, my, my it. Wife, she heard me go. Yeah. I, I gasped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as Nerd World Orders, as our good buddy Alan, if you want to go listen to another podcast, check out another YouTube channel. Nerd World Orders, pretty awesome. And he says, "Yes, the music was perfect." And we heard that music when Professor X rolled out in uh, in, in, in uh, Doctor Strange Two, and I was like, "Okay, so they're going to not do the Inhuman thing." And I thought the window was open for an Inhuman thing because we all loved Black Bolt and Doctor Strange Two, and yeah. I want to see the Inhumans. I love Black Bolt. But, I love those characters. I, I listen, really want Lockjaw. And maybe that maybe they will go ahead and redeem that, but they don't need to do that now. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they need to get the X Men off. You know, but here we go. We're starting mm-hmm. to see some mutants, and Kamala's probably one of them, as she was originally intended. Right. The comments are blowing up because Jim Pellegrini says, "Also, this show's political slant makes me hopeful for how MCU will handle the mutants. Absolutely. Mutants are all about civil rights. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I knew Singer would be right when you opened up that first X Men movie and you see Magneto in the, in Auschwitz. I thought that was like, okay, they're going to get it right. Yeah. And hopefully, they keep that up here. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's um, just it. Yeah. I mean, you know, in that first X Men movie, you get that whole thing about people being afraid. These people are popping up, and does it make them a second class citizens and how people react to it and, you know you're already Ye- seeing that with damage control about how they're treating powered yeah. individuals right well christopher ye mon over on youtube old school geeks gave us i love you man he says all of phase four is basically x-men edging i think it's <laughs> i think now that we have the negative zone and mutants in miss marvel it's 
Fantastic Four. It's all the Fox properties edging is what's going on over here. Um, I think uh, the damage control stuff, that just reminded me of the, re- of the couple of years ago, and it's kind of been going on now, is they had the storyline where young superpowered individuals were outlawed. Oh, it, 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 and you had the government no, going no, after it, the it actually just, it just, I mean, it, it barely ended this year. It's That's right. very recent, and it was all based on, oddly enough, Kamala Khan gets injured in her civilian identity mm-hmm. and was actually in a coma briefly. And so they did it all in her name. So, yeah, so Geekscape yes. is the, I thought the damage control angle was going to be that, was the most recent comics, a uh, couple, it's been going on for two, three years, is younger, it's not, it's almost like Civil War where they had to register, but it was really yeah. underage heroes yeah. were forced but to it, register. It was, it was a retread of the registration thing. Right, you know, but it was um, specifically for the champions and the characters like Miles Morales and yeah. Kamala Khan and, and young Hawkeye, etc. Um, okay, so we got mutants, and we're going to start probably seeing more mutants. I don't think we're going to see them in She-Hulk, but I did hear that in She-Hulk we're going to get Jessica Jones. Yeah, and, and we know we're getting Daredevil in, in that, too. And we know we're getting Matt Murdock because it's a courtroom. Yeah. Uh, we'll have Emil Blonsky. But um, let's talk about the post-credit, mid-credit, whatever so, it was, scene. And so, that's confirmed the negative zone yeah, in the so, negative bands. Well, so here's the thing. So, you know, of course, it's interesting that the, the entire thing, she's so obsessed with Carol Danvers, and then out of nowhere, you know, the, the bangle seems to react and poof, she switches places seemingly. She disappears and Carol Danvers is in her place. Did you like that her father gives her the name Miss Marvel? And also... I did. Ian, I thought, I thought I, it was I, very touching. It was beautiful. And, and I didn't know that Kamala meant that. Did you pop when they opened the package from grandma and it was the suit from the comics that they've been building to throughout the series. Well, I actually really reacted when her necklace in, in episode five had you know, turned, turned into the symbol. And so I, I, that I was, was cool. The mother. I was like, okay, I, I liked that. So what I saw by the, the way, and then they always... did the costume from you in a couple yeah. of action sequences, you see, you just see her feet. You just see her kind of running uh, uh, around. She, she stops the, at the, at the red light I and laugh. then she keeps going. And yeah. I'm like, let's see the whole costume. Cause yeah. Heidi had never seen it. And I was like, just wait, she sees it. It's awesome. Well, fortunately it's like, you, you literally have excited. it, but you only have it on the screen before you even start the show. It's her right. sitting on the, the lamp. I know. You know, but, but the other part that was cool was the end fight. Really, the the end, it's not really a fight, but it's a, a way to protect Cameron from himself, who has now developed these powers uh-huh. kind of out of control. Um, when she says "embiggen," yeah, and now the negaband power, the 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 bangle power, is really representative of right. her. Right, and, and that's what you know. The the showrunner said that don't worry, we're going to get there because that's the thing is the embiggen. basically does all the things you know. In the comics, her abilities are stretching she goes she was a little beyond reed richards sort of you know but more very similar and i think that's why you know a big part of why they stepped away from that and i don't know you know i think that they probably wanted to be an energy manipulator because of how that lines up with the other marvels you know with uh, captain marvel and i'm assuming monica's going to be called photon sure um so you know so that that remains to be seen but yeah that that's where she finally the giant fist i mean it started off initially with that save with the giant hand you know yeah. but actually growing her body and all that is very representative of what really cool. she does you know um and i got to say the the fight with cameron her fighting her way past cameron's powers People are like, oh, my God, when the community comes out and helps her yeah. and stands between her and uh, damage control, it's like Spider-Man 2. Too, when yeah. they're, they all, For me, I was like, oh, but the fight to Cameron was very X3. Yeah. Where it was like, I have to stop him. And it was like Wolverine fighting to Jean Grey. And huh? I, let's not bring up X3 anymore. Sorry about that. <laughs> that should have so been Logan and Scott fighting to Jean Grey, but obviously Scott wasn't in the movie at that point. But I think that would have been a beautiful ending to the first three X-Men movies, but <laughs> politics of studios are going to be politics of studios. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that mid-credit scene. She, uh, It's not a striking of the band. It's not a striking of the bangle, but she gets sucked into her closet. She disappears. But out of the closet, Carol Danvers pops up for a cameo. There's a negative zone switcheroo going on, much like Rick Jones. It seems like we'll see, And I guess we, the Marvels doesn't come out to what is it, March or something think, of 2023? Uh, it's either our February or March movie. We got Wakanda Forever in November, and then right. I think we, I think we either have, I think we have the Marvels coming. Right. Uh, are you going to look that up? Yeah, or I'm, or I'm you, looking you talk it up, to me. But, um, um, 
Because there's a lot of places, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that's gonna that, that, where we can go. Not from till here. July so 28, 2023. I quit. I don't want to wait. A whole year. A year. Can I just say that's some fucking bullshit? Ian, next week, are we going to get a Fantastic Four cast announcement or is it mainly going to be Marvel comic comics and they're going to save that stuff for D23? I think I think we're getting that. I mean, I hope so. There has to be something big there. And I think that makes sense. Look, Krasinski, I think he keeps doing it. You know, Mm -hmm. he stays and he's Mr. Fantastic. Um, there's some rumors out there that Dakota Fanning got hired and people think that she may be Sue Storm, Sue Richards. Okay. You know, I think that that works. And he's the first time we've heard that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the age that, yeah, supposedly she signed a deal with Marvel. Because in the comics, they had an age difference as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It also allows you to cast a younger Johnny Storm that you can keep on a contract. Dakota Fanning and John Krasinski, their age difference is, I mean, I think it's like 13 years? 15 years something like okay. that you know but sure. i mean yeah because in the comics they never actually say but you know it was back in those creepy times where you know reed and ben seem like they're in their 40s and sue's like, <laughs> like her ta or something know? but like well yeah, he's yeah. like a grad student and she's yeah. like it seems like it's like 20 a, back then they seemed like it's 25 years in high school yeah. now you know it doesn't quite seem like that now because now it seems like she's probably in her late 30s early 40s and he's like yeah. you know late 40s but Back then, it was like, yeah, she seemed like a girl, you know, like right. she's, you know, because Johnny's only like, you know, 15, 16. So, you know, I think you know this, but back in the day, it was Johnny Storm with the Human Torch, um, Bobby Drake was Iceman, and Peter Parker, and, and were, Peter the, Parker were all were the same age, age yeah. you know, and yeah. that was, that means yeah. they started out at 15. But if you cast it, quickly thereafter, it allows her to have a younger brother, Johnny Storm, who could be, you know, be yeah, he's still an adult. Yeah. Yeah, but you can also cast an older Ben if he's comparable to, mm-hmm. to, yeah, uh, to Reed's age. Okay, so Ian, we're gonna see them again in the Marvels. We've got a negative zone now, I think. So we're gonna see some more Fantastic Four popping up. I think we so. Got a new, we've got ourselves a mutant. Yeah, in the in the six sixteen MCU now, and, and, and they've told us Fantastic Four is the last movie in Phase Four. It's in That's this right. phase. We don't know how long the phase is supposed to last. Dude, but until they get they gotta get a director first. Yeah. I mean, I think you think Krasinski's just gonna do it? You know, they got him. I mean, can it be a one off? It can be, but it feels like it's too iconic casting for the that to have just been the one off. Mm-hmm. You know, but they, they haven't said officially. Okay. All right, Ian. Any other pieces to tie up? Because we're gonna be talking very soon about some She Hulk. We're obviously going to see each other in a few days in San Diego. We got so much going on there. Um, you're going to cameo on the show. We'll get a couple of interviews. I'm not leaving that booth too much. I've got a panel, but other than that, I'm not leaving too much. So you're going to be our eyes on the street. You'll come by the booth and we'll record quick five, 10 minutes. Cool. What have you seen, Ian's? Um, I'm looking forward to it, but dang, I'm putting stuff together for the, I'm putting the booth schedule together right now and I'm putting together uh, just everything we're doing in San Diego. And I'm a little overwhelmed to Geekscapist, but definitely wanted to make sure that we were timely on this Miss Marvel special for all of you. Um, what else? You got anything else to add, Ian? Anything cool? Um, I think that's it. You know, I think overall, I, I guess I, I feel like I probably beat this a bit, but at this point, but, you know, it's a good show. It's a solid show. I think I generally feel that way about, about the Marvel shows as much as the movies have been a little disappointing. You know, mm-hmm. lately, but the shows, you know, they they have they all have their own voice. They're about character development. They're not just about hey, let's just do a giant VFX extravaganza. Mind you, they still have some of that, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're not, you know. If I'm let down at all in Ms. Marvel, it's that going into it, there was never a really big bad thing. But arguably, that makes it refreshing. It's mm-hmm. not what it's about. This had the most character. Of in personality of any of them, and it, but character based personality, not yeah. style based, not plot based, character focused, character based personality. Uh, here's an I idea for you. Hawkeye has a lot of that too. You're right. You're right. Um, we're gonna have a stump the Ian contest at the booth. That's Big Ganks's proposal there. Uh, if you can stump Ian, maybe you get a T-shirt or something like that. What do you think? Sure. <laughs> not co- it's not costing me anything. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right, Geekscapists. Um, You're going to be hearing from us next week. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast network. We're still adding shows. Uh, So really any interest that you've got, whether it's these deep dives into comic books and films, or if it's something regarding movies or music or comedy or wrestling, we got podcasts to scratch your itch. So search for Geekscape and be a part of it. Search for us on the socials. Uh, Definitely be subscribing to the Geekscape Instagrams. Also be on the Facebooks and the Twitters because that's where we're going to be talking about what we're doing at the booth. Uh, and all the guests we're going to have next week at Comic-Con and everything going on. So be part of that discussion. The Geekscape Forever group on Facebook is a great place to discuss a lot of this stuff and what's going on at Comic-Con. There's going to be tons of announcements, obviously. And share this with your friends. Leave us a five-star review. And thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. All right. We'll see you all next week in a few days. Peace. Bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.